Well, hello everyone. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, part of the teaching team. Want to say hi to everyone, not only that's in this room, but also those of you that are watching out in the lobby and watching online. Thanks for joining us this morning. Today, we are wrapping up, and it's kind of sad, our series on relationships. Hello, my name is. And this has been a really special series to me because I'm sure like you, there have been times in my life where I had great relationships, times where I felt like I didn't have so great of relationships, and that can be an emotional roller coaster, right? That can be something that we, we feel very lonely about. So it's very exciting to get to talk about relationships and how we can go deep in relationships. And along with that, I want to thank those of you that have sent me messages the last several weeks. I, I've heard a lot from different people about how this series has impacted them and been a help to their relationships or to their marriage. So thank you for sending me those. I love getting messages from you. If you ever want to drop me a note, you can do that at pastor at efree.org or it's on the website and you can send me an email. Those go straight to me and I love getting messages from you. Well, throughout this series, we've provided for you printed name tags and I'm looking out and I'm seeing a lot of wonderfully compliant people and some non-compliant people and that's okay. We're just glad you're here. All right. You can, you can follow in obedience later. Uh, what what we're going to do is we're just going to leave those up, okay? So this is, it was for this series, but we're just going to leave them up. And if you want to continue to get a name tag and say, hey, I'm a friendly person, you are welcome to do that. I understand some of you may not wish to do that, and that is your choice. We respect that for the most part, but we're just going to... We're going to leave them up out there. They're in the classrooms. They'll be a help to our groups. They'll be a help to anyone that walks into our church that's new here. I think, I could be wrong, but I think that if you walk into a church and you see a bunch of people with name tags on, it tells you it's a pretty friendly church. So we're just gonna kind of keep those up and you can use those if you'd like to. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series. And this is one that I think would be a good one to invite some friends to. We're gonna, we're gonna well, I'm just gonna show you. I'm gonna give you a sneak peek of what we're going to be talking about uh, next week. We live in a culture that is constantly trying to tell us that we need to do all sorts of things that are contrary to what God wants from us in order to be happy. If you do this, you'll be happy. If you buy this, you'll be happy. Just follow these simple steps and you will be happy. And the truth is what Jesus calls us to do is anything but ordinary. It's completely the opposite of what the world would think is the way we are supposed to live. And so we're going to be talking about the art of being unordinary. How do we break the mold of this world? And the way we're going to do that is by doing a verse-by-verse -verse study of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, we find eight different principles that are part of Jesus' most famous sermon on how we can be truly happy and blessed by God. 
And that's what we're going to talk about. So this is a great series for you to invite your friends to. Maybe they've become a little disillusioned with church. Maybe they're a follower of Jesus, but they're not living like it right now. Maybe they're trying to do everything that the world tells them will make them happy. We're going to look at what the Bible says would actually make us happy and blessed. And Jesus tells us in his Sermon on the Mount. So that's what we're going to be talking about starting next week. Come back and join us and invite some friends as well. Today, we're wrapping up the Hello, My Name Is series. And we've had quite a journey these last several weeks talking about relationships. I'll give you a brief review here. First, we started talking about our relationship with God and how that is central. That needs to come first. That is a priority to us. And God wants to have this loving, trusting, close relationship with us. That was week number one. And then we started talking about the fact that God doesn't just want us to have deep relationship with him. He wants us to have deep relationships with each other. And we talked about what that looks like and and what the Bible says about that. And and so we walked through these these two things and and, uh, hopefully you were here for every week. Because if you weren't here for every week, you might be missing some pieces of the puzzle that will help you to put everything together. All of these messages are available online. So if you did miss a week, I would really encourage you to go back and and pick up where you left off and get that because there may be even some things we talk about today that will make a lot more sense if you go back and fill in those gaps. Two weeks ago, I talked about what the Bible says our deep relationships should look like. What should our deep relationships do for us and what should we do in them? And we said that deep relationships need to be selective. We have to be careful who we allow into our inner circles, into those close relationships with us, to be careful who's influencing us there. And deep relationships should be authentic and vulnerable. We need to be able to get transparent in these relationships, to get below the surface level and talk about what's really going on in our lives and what we're struggling with. That's how we really form bonds with each other and help each other to grow. Deep relationships help to refine our rough edges. We can expect some some chipping away as, as that close relationship and the trust that's built there becomes like a mirror to us and shows us some of our own weaknesses and flaws that maybe we didn't know were there until we let someone in that close. And deep relationships help us through difficult times and give us a chance to help others through difficult times as we walk through life together and the struggles that life brings to us. Deep relationships need to overlook offenses. There will be times as we get closer to each other that that it causes some friction. As iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. And even as we sharpen each other and refine each other's rough edges, there are going to be times where we get frustrated with each other and we have to be able to overlook offenses. Deep relationships finally push each other to be more loving and to do more good. That's from Hebrews 10, 24 where the Bible literally says that we are supposed to brainstorm ways to encourage each other, to push each other, to be more loving and do more good. That's one of our responsibilities as good friends of each other. But you know, we can't do any of this stuff unless we have some really close, deep relationships. And so we left off two weeks ago with this question, how? How do we get there with people? That sounds great. I want that kind of relationship. That's the kind of circle I want to have, but I don't have that right now. Or I have something kind of like that, but it doesn't have that kind of depth to it. How do we get there? And that is what today is all about. We're going to talk about how to go deep. Now, last week, John started to give us part of the answer to this question. 
As a church here, one of the answers to this question of how do we go deep in relationships is found in our group's ministry. And we have all kinds of groups here, and and I would love for every single person in this church to be involved in a group. Because honestly, what we're doing right now is only part of what the church is all about. A lot of what the Bible says we are supposed to do for each other as believers in Jesus Christ cannot happen in this room. I mean, look around you. Do you know everyone who is sitting in this room right now? There are hundreds of people in here. And some of you are on different floors. Some of you don't know the people in the pew behind you. We don't know all each, each of each other all deeply in here. But in a group, we can get to know each other really well. And so a lot of what the Bible tells us deep relationships are supposed to do are going to be found in groups. But here's the problem. Let's say that you go and you join a group, and maybe you've done this before. You've joined a group, and you're thinking, this is fantastic. I'm finally going to get the community that I wanted, that I came here for. We're going to form some deep relationships, and I'm going to find some besties, and we're going to have a great time together. And you go there for like three months, and nothing happens. Where's the relationship? Where's the community that I was told I was going to get in this group? And see, the problem is that just joining a group does not automatically create deep relationships. It's an important step, but there's something else to this. There's more that we have to do. Forming deep relationships is not as easy as just signing up on a a sheet or or joining a class. It's kind of like a, a challenging puzzle that we have to try to solve and it can be really frustrating to us. I brought some puzzles with me today. Have you ever seen any of these before? These are these little metal puzzles that you try to solve. Has anyone, raise your hand if you've played around with these before. Some people really love these. How many of you just love these kinds of puzzles, these brain teasers? Okay, there's a handful of you. How many of you really hate these? Like these are so frustrating. Wow, you guys win. Have you ever played around with one of these you know, in the doctor's office or at somebody's house or something like that. Sometimes we've got these at home. We'll just put them out for fun, see who gets messed around with them. And you can play with one of these for like 15 minutes and you get so frustrated. Like, how is this supposed to come off of here? And then somebody walks over, takes it from you, and in like two seconds just solves the whole thing. And you're like, how did you do that? And they go, well, and they turn around and they hide it from you and put it back together, there you go. Isn't that frustrating? When someone knows the answer and they won't tell you what the solution is. Relationships can be like this. They can be like a puzzle that's really hard for us to solve. And we look around and we see other people that we think have figured it out. How did that guy figure out how to get those deep relationships? Why is that girl so well connected with all those other people and they look like they're having a wonderful time and Instagram says it so it must be true? How do we solve this puzzle of relationships? That's what we're gonna be talking about today. Some people are naturally gifted in this area but I think most of us could use some help in forming deeper relationships, whether that's with friends or with family, in our marriages, in a dating relationship, with people at church, with siblings, with coworkers, with classmates, whatever it is, we can all learn how to be better friends, how to go deeper in relationships so that we can do the things God told us he wants us to do. Before we go there, I'm gonna pray 
And I'm gonna ask you to pray with me in your hearts. Ask God to teach you something today about how he wants you to form deeper relationships. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we come before you now ready to study your word and and learn principles from it. And we're excited, God, to have you work in our hearts and teach us some things about how we can have better relationships. The church is all about relationships. Our relationship with you, our relationship with each other, our relationship with people outside the church. This is what it's all about. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to know how to grow deeper in our relationship with you, but also in our relationships with each other. Give us some takeaways today, Lord, that we can use right away to begin adding some depth to our relationships. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the question is how? How do we go deep in relationships? And why is it so hard sometimes to do this? I mean, back when I was in school, it was so much easier. Would you agree? Wasn't it easier when you were in high school? And then some of you may still be in high school. And so for you, 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 you get this. But for people that have graduated from high school or graduated from college, you go through a big life transition and all of a sudden you don't have the friends you did before. And how did you get that? Why was it so easy to go so close with them? The reason it was so easy back then is because when you're in school, and for those of you that are still are in school, what's happening right now is you are forced to spend time with a group of people who are all potential friends for you. They're around the same stage of life. You probably have some similar interests. Maybe you get involved in a club or a, a sport or a fraternity, or you're, if you're in college, you're on a dorm together. And so whether it's high school or college, you have people that are kind of brought to you, forced into your life that you spend time with, and you do activities together, and you get to talking about things and, and thinking about the future and dreaming about what your life is going to become. And so this pool of potential friends is just sort of brought to you when you're younger. When you transition from high school to college, you lose a lot of those friends unless you happen to all be going to the same place. And so for many freshmen in college, it's a very lonely place because they've lost their friends from high school. But you know what happens usually in the first semester? they start making some new friends. Why? Because they're on a dorm with a bunch of other people in the same stage of life that are taking classes just like they are. They're in classes with these people. They're in activities. They're in clubs. They're in sports. They're doing all sorts of things together. They're talking about the future. This pool of potential deep relationships has been brought to them, and now by trial and error, they will find some closer friends, usually. Not always, but that's the norm. It is easier for us to form deep relationships then. What happens when you get out of that environment Probably not very many of you were forced to come to church today. I don't need to see any hands, but I'm assuming that most of you are relatively here by choice. And you're not forced to be around a group of people that are necessarily in the same stage of life as you or have the same interests as you. You may or may not be with a collection of people that you like to talk with about the future and what, you, what your hopes and plans are. And so you may not be having those kinds of bonding conversations and experiences together. And it actually is harder to make good friends as an adult than it was before. Why? Because we have to now do something about it. It's like this challenging puzzle And we look around and think some people have it figured out and solved it, and maybe they have and maybe they haven't. But I think the best way to try to solve this puzzle of forming deeper relationships is to follow the example of Jesus. And this is something that we often miss. Sometimes we take such a micro view of Scripture that we miss some macro principles. 
And only by looking at Jesus' ministry as a whole and taking a step back to see the big picture of how he worked can we start to correct some of our wrong thinking about the relationships of Jesus. It would be easy to think that Jesus, being God, was able to just walk around to people like the disciples and say, hey, I want you to come and be my best bud. And they were like, okay, Jesus, I'll be your best friend and here we go. And he, you know, he just went around and he called them and they just came and then they had lifelong friendships, right? That is not at all how it happened. And we're gonna walk through the ministry of Jesus and how he built relationships in different circles and see how that all goes together. And if you look carefully at this, I think you'll discover some patterns that you can follow to form deep relationships in your life. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter two. We'll put it on the screens as well if you want to follow along there. But this is Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Jesus is traveling around the Sea of Galilee. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. He doesn't have much of a following yet. Some people are following him around, but there's not much going on yet. Right at the beginning of his ministry. And as he's traveling around, this is what happens. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Now, the crowds are the first circle of relationship with Jesus. These are people that know about Jesus, but they're not spending one-on-one time with Jesus. It's a large group of people. He attracted these crowds of people that were curious, some of them very skeptical. They wanted to know what was this new teacher uh, sharing. Now, some of them became his followers, but many simply observed from a distance. Not everybody just jumped in with the Jesus bandwagon. Many, many people were just kind of curious and skeptical about him. And this group, the crowds grew from hundreds to eventually thousands of people that knew about Jesus, had heard some of his teaching, but weren't yet ready to commit to go deeper with him. Now, you and I have public circle relationships. There are people that we rarely talk to, but we've interacted with them once or twice. We may or may not know their name. We may or may not recognize their face. We probably spend some time together in certain contexts, but we just don't talk to each other. You know, chances are there are some people in these sections over here that don't often talk with the people in these sections over here. Why? Because that's your section. I know, I see you there every week. You would never be caught sitting over there with them. That wouldn't happen. You guys have spots. You don't know this, but I see, I know. You have spots even up in the balcony. I can't make out your faces, but I see the silhouettes up there. We've got spots that we like. We've got places that we go. And so you're all in a public circle here together, but you don't all know each other really well. In the church, the public circle for us is this weekly gathering. So this is our public circle and our weekly gathering, our worship services are are a public circle for us. We don't all know each other really well here. We can't have close relationships with everybody in this room. It's not humanly possible. But the public circle is where relationships start. It all starts with an introduction, with an acquaintance, with someone that we just met that we don't know very well, that we haven't gone deep with, but that is where it starts. So if you're not spending time in any public circles, it's really hard to go any deeper with anyone else. Now you sitting in this public circle here listening to teaching, worshiping God together, giving to him, doing all the things we do corporately together, that's a really good thing. But we don't come here because all of us know each other with with great depth. 
I, don't, I know many of you very well, but I don't know all of you very, very well. And some of you are here for the first time today, and I've never even met you before. But here we are in the public circle together. We cannot expect to forge deep relationships in this room. That's not going to happen here most of the time. It's the public circle. This isn't where we all come because we have deep relationships with everyone here. We gather here as different communities of people who hopefully have deep relationships with each other. Hopefully there are some people in this room that you have some deep relationships with. And so we all come together to corporately worship God. But we cannot expect to find our depth of relationship or community here in this room. This is the public circle. It's the, it's the large gathering. And so that's a really important takeaway for us today. Don't expect from one circle what you should get from another circle. This is not the place to form those deep relationships, but it's where they often start. And Jesus is going to show us how to move from the public circle into the next closer circle. He does this in Mark chapter 2 verse 14. So the very next verse As he walked along, he saw Levi, that's Matthew, by the way, another name for Matthew. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi, Matthew, got up and followed him. Now, I grew up thinking that when Jesus went around calling these different individuals to be his disciples, that he was asking them to go ahead and be one of his 12 apostles. That's what I thought. That he was walking up to people just out of the blue. Here's Matthew at his tax collector's booth. And he's saying, Matthew, I want you to come be one of my 12 apostles. And Matthew said, that sounds great. I will devote the rest of my life to you. And, and that's how it happened. But that's not at all how it happened. Jesus was not inviting Matthew into that 12 apostle circle. He was inviting Matthew to go just one level deeper. That's it. He was inviting him to become one of his apostles. He was inviting him to move, not apostles, disciples. He was inviting them to move one circle closer in relationship. And that circle is something we call the social circle. There were many other followers, disciples of Jesus. When he said, come be my disciple, he didn't mean one of the 12 disciples that we think of. He meant one of the many dozens of disciples that were following Jesus around and learning from his teaching. We see this in Luke chapter 10. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns he planned to visit. See, this is the kind of group that Jesus was inviting these men into at first. Not to be one of the 12 apostles, but to be one of the many disciples. There were at least 72, uh, 84, maybe 100. We don't know how many of these disciples who followed Jesus around. This is going from the public circle into the social circle where they would follow Jesus and spend more time with his other disciples. Now, you and I have social circles too. These are the people that we hang out in groups with. And we may not know them on a, a real intimate level, but we get together in some group functions together. We, we do some things together as a larger group. You know their names. You know some basic information about them. But you aren't super close with them. You probably don't get together and hang out outside of those group functions. In the church, our social circles are in our Sunday morning groups. These are mid-sized groups, usually 15 to 100 people who gather together for deeper community than what you can have 
here. They, it's the next step on the relationship journey. And if you consider this place to be your church home, but you're frustrated because you haven't found some community here and you're not part of a group, that's the next step for you. Get into a group because that's where deeper community starts to form in that social circle. For deep relationships, invite people to move from one circle into a closer circle. That's what Jesus did. He invited people to move out of the public circle and into the social circle. And this is another important takeaway because sometimes I will talk with people who have tried out one of our Sunday morning groups and they will say, I just was not able to connect there. I wasn't able to, to form friendships there. It just didn't fit for me. And I get that. It is sometimes hard to break into a new group. And often our mind goes to this idea that, well, they're exclusive or they're a clique or they just won't be friends with me. But here's the thing. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Each of us has a limited number of relational connectors in each circle. There's only so many people we can fit in those inner circles before it's just full and we don't have room for more. And so we show up to a group that's already well-established and they've all got a lot of connections with each other and we're just waiting, hoping somebody's gonna come over and invite us to do something and, and they're all, their circles are full. And that's not necessarily a click. People might have called Jesus' 12 disciples a click, but it wasn't a click. It's just once you get beyond a certain number, it's not an inner circle. It's not as close. You can't have the same depth of relationship as you did before. And I'm not saying clicks are a good thing. That, that can be a very, a very negative thing to watch out for. But sometimes it's not a click. Sometimes it's just that the relational connectors are full. When I first got here almost two years ago, my inner circles had been cleared out almost completely. Because I moved from Virginia and, and took like a 16-hour drive to get here. And most of my friends, I left back in Virginia. And, and I've seen a couple of them since, and some of them have been out here in St. Louis, but most of them, for the most part, have moved out of those inner circles. And they're now in the outer circles. I know them, I, I have a history with them, but they're kind of in that social circle space for me now. They're not in my inner circles. But you know what? After about two years later, now my inner circles are pretty full again. And those relational connectors are kind of filled up. And there aren't gonna be a lot of additions to that. There won't be a lot of changes to my inner circles at this point because there's just only so many that you can add to that before it just doesn't work anymore. And this is really frustrating for us and confusing for us because when we try to break into a group of people and they already have all these relational connectors and they don't feel a need for more, but we do, how do you deal with that? How do you start to form relationships when the people around you seem to already have that? I wanna, I wanna give you some examples. I used to lead a Sunday morning group of over 100 young adults. And these young people would get together every single week for teaching and community. And one Sunday, I was standing in the back. We had a bunch of tables in the back and we would always have breakfast foods. So there were, the smell of breakfast foods was in the air. And you'd be amazed at what some of these young people could come up with when they were competing against each other for the best dishes. You know, all the single guys wanted to show off their baking prowess. And so you'd get egg casseroles and they'd try to outdo each other. It's amazing stuff. The cheeses and the meats and all the stuff they would do. So it smelled fantastic. And there's all these people talking with each other and chatting. It just, it felt great to be a part of this group. And then this young man walked up to me and brought a familiar complaint. He said, this is a terrible group. This it is so hard to connect in this group. 
I just, I've been coming here for years now and it's just like nobody wants to be my friend and uh, I can't form any relationships here. This group is so cliquish and I'm just so fed up with this group. And I knew this guy for a while so I felt I could be pretty blunt with him. And I said, do me a favor, look around the room right now. Look at all the seats out there in this auditorium. So you see all those people that are sitting by themselves? Why don't you go do for them what you're hoping someone will do for you? Why don't you go take some initiative and be the friend for them that you want someone to be for you? Because clearly they have some open relational connectors. They're sitting there by themselves. They're not talking to anybody. They're probably thinking the same thing you are. Why don't you go be that friend to them? And he hemmed and hawed a little bit and then a couple of guys came over and, and this must have been a God thing because they just walked over and they said, hey man, we wanted to invite, not to me, but to this other guy, we wanted to invite you out to lunch with us after church day. You wanna go? And to my astonishment, he said, no, I've got some housework I need to do today. <laughs> and I knew this guy well enough that I could turn to him and say, what's the matter with you? You're complaining about not having relationships in the group. You're criticizing the group for not having relationships with you. There's all these people that you could go start a relationship with that clearly they would love for you to initiate that. And then these two guys come over and you turn them down. What's the point? We have to take some responsibility for our deep relationships. We cannot expect them to just be handed to us. We have to be willing to take some steps. We have to be willing to get over some hurdles, maybe overcome some fears, maybe overcome some baggage, some excuses that we've had for not getting into deeper relationships, but that has to start with us. We cannot expect other people to just do it for us. So what do we do when we find that it's hard to break into a group, to form some community, to find some deeper relationships? Let me give you three suggestions. The first one is look for people who still have some open relational connectors. The new people, the people that aren't talking with anyone else. Chances are they're thinking the same thing as you. Man, I wish I could find a friend in here. I guess I'll just sit here and wait until that happens. So you be the one to initiate and go start a conversation with them. The second thing you can do, if you're in a, a Sunday morning group or any kind of group, a social circle, and you're finding that there aren't people there that you can connect with, my suggestion, go invite more people into that social circle. That's what Jesus did. He went around inviting people to move out of the public circle into the social circle. And I'll tell you this, I will bet that there are people in this room right now who if someone were to approach them and say, would you like to come be a part of our group on Sunday morning? They would say, yes, I would love to. I think there are a lot more people that would love to join a social circle, but they just need someone to kind of show them the way, to reach out to them, to invite them to come in. And then guess what? Now you're the insider inviting them to be part of the social circle. And now you've got a relationship that's formed there. And they may have some open relational connectors and you can form some deep relationships. And the third thing that we may need to do, if a group has full relational connectors and there's not a lot of room for more people to get connected there, then we may need to just start a new group. The beautiful thing about starting a new group is that all the people that come have open relational connectors. That's why they're there. And so you form lots of new relationships and deep connections, and you know what? Over the next five to 10 years, that group starts to get full of relational connectors too, and now they're the ones that aren't quite as easy to break into. That's not always an unhealthy thing. 
Sometimes it's the sign of us having good, healthy, deep relationships. And we probably need to have many different groups, even for the same seasons of life. We probably need multiple groups eventually for college students and multiple groups for young adults and young marrieds and young families with kids and Gen X and and boomers and builders and everything in between, cross-generational classes. We're probably going to need multiple groups here for different, different types of people, each with their own kind of personality and style and to launch new ones regularly so that we can find the people that have open relational connectors and let the relationships go deep. Jesus did not sit around waiting for people to jump into his next circle. He invited them. And my encouragement to you is to do the same. Now, once he got people into his social circle, he later invited some of them to go one level deeper into his personal circle. After Jesus had gathered this group of disciples, at one point, he went up on a mountain, he took some of them with him, and here's what happened. Mark chapter three, verse 14 says, then, so after this, Mark two, he invites people to be part of his social circle, out of the public circle. Mark three, he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. The personal circle for Jesus had just 12 people in it. And I'll bet that there were other people in his social circle, his disciples, his followers who thought, how can I get to be a part of that group? I want to join the 12. I want to be one of the guys that gets to spend more time with Jesus. But that was it. The circle was full. He had room for 12 people in the personal circle. And he invited those people out of the social circle and into his personal circle. Any more than that, and it could not have gone as deep. This is where relationships start to go deep, is in the personal circle. Because now, we're not just getting together regularly in a group. We're actually starting to walk through life together. We're doing some things together. We have some shared experiences. Imagine the disciples reminiscing about the times they had with Jesus thinking about the shared experiences they had that had brought them close together and bonded them together. These 12 men plus Jesus, 13 of them wandering around Israel, doing some incredible things, seeing some incredible things. Think about one disciple talking to another disciple and saying, you remember that time that we got out on the boat and we were heading over to the other side and that storm came up and it almost killed us? And then Jesus popped out of nowhere on the water and told Peter to walk to him on the water? Do you remember that? We almost died. Thomas was over there crying in the corner of the boat. You know, they they had these experiences with each other. And then one of them says, yeah, and remember that time we got on the boat and we were headed to that place to rest and we wanted just some quiet and we looked on the shore and we saw thousands of people running along the shoreline trying to beat us to our destination and some of them got there. How did they run that fast? And the other guy says, I know, right? That was amazing. And then Jesus took our five loaves of bread and two fish and multiplied them into enough food for everybody. That was incredible. Can you think of all the shared experiences these guys had that brought them close together? See, one of the keys to developing deep relationships, and it happens a lot at the personal circle, is that the express lane to deep relationships is shared experiences. When you do things together, and all of you know this because you have relationships in your past where you've, you've done some awesome things together. When you do this and you share those experiences together, it forms some deep relationships, some deep bonds. I'll give you examples of some of the things that, that I've done with people in my personal circle. Camping, traveling together, whitewater rafting, 
uh, escape rooms where you try to get out of the room, just going out to eat together, getting coffee together, just living life together. Those are the kinds of shared experiences that bring us close to each other. Sometimes shared experiences are not fun. Sometimes it's really tough times that we walk through together. And these are the people in your personal circle who are close enough that when you wreck your car, they come and pick you up and and take care of things for the rest of the day. Or when you're in the hospital, they come and visit you. Or when you face some other type of tragedy in your life, these are the people. And you can't expect this of everyone in your social circle. But in your personal circle, these are those people that are close enough to you to know what's going on and to know how they can help and to walk through these times with you together. Your personal circle can probably handle between five and 15 people. Usually that's about the limit. And in church, we would consider one of these personal circles to be our small groups. Small groups and Sunday morning groups both serve great purposes. Both are really, really helpful. Groups on Sunday morning are great for teaching and deeper community. Small groups allow for even deeper relationships because there's fewer people. Everyone gets to share and talk. You get to know each other better. It's more comfortable to get real and vulnerable about what's going on in your life. And you can live life together. You can't necessarily live life together and do lots of activities with 50 or 100 people. But with 5 to 15, you you can If you get too many people in a small group, it's not a small group anymore. And you lose some of the closeness of that. But this is where relationships go even deeper. But there is one more level. One more level for people anyway. And that is the transparent circle. In Mark chapter two, Jesus invited people out of the personal circle into the social circle. And in Mark chapter three, he invited 12 people out of the social circle into the personal circle. But in Mark chapter 5, we get our first glimpse of Jesus' transparent circle. There were three people that Jesus selected, just three, who would get to know him more than anyone else, who would see him at his highs and at his lows, quite literally. So there were three guys that got to see Jesus in all of his glory, and none of the others did. And these same three guys got to see him in one of his most anguishing moments of emotional despair, and none of the others did. Let me show you where this starts. In Mark chapter five, Jesus is at the house of Jairus, who's a synagogue leader. And Jairus' daughter just passed away. Jesus has arrived. It's verse 37 of Mark chapter five. Jesus stopped the crowd. He wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Now these three men, at this point in Jesus' ministry, had already seen him cast out demons. They had already seen him calm the storm on the Sea of Galilee. But nothing could prepare them for what they were about to experience. They were about to see Jesus raise someone from the dead, something they had never seen before, something the other nine apostles did not get to see in this moment. These three men Jesus invited to come one step closer in relationship, to see something a little more sensitive, a little more vulnerable. In fact, he would tell people at the end of this, don't tell anyone what you just saw. But these three got to see it with their own eyes in the transparent circle. In Mark chapter nine, we see this again. 
where these three are the only ones to see Jesus in his true glory. It's called the transfiguration and Jesus' face was transformed and his clothes shone like the sun and Jesus allowed only three people, Peter, James, and John, to come with him to see this. And when he was done, he changed back into his normal appearance and he told them, don't tell any of the others until I've come back from the dead. And that really confused them. They had no idea what he was talking about. But think about the fact that the other nine apostles did not find out about the transfiguration until Jesus had died and come back from the dead. Isn't that amazing? These three got to experience something no one else did. And there's one more, which is in Mark chapter 14. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he leaves the other nine apostles, but he took Peter, James, and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Think about that. With these three guys there, He showed his trouble and distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Think about that. In this transparent circle, Jesus is letting them see something that no one else was getting to see. The emotional anguish and despair. Can you imagine what it took for Jesus, the son of God, to say, my soul is crushed to the point of death and to be one of these three who got to have a window into that, to see that and to to share it with us later, to let us know as Peter shares with Mark who writes this down for us, to say this is what I saw that nobody else got to see. The, The inner workings, the emotions, the highs and the lows of none other than Jesus Christ. Your transparent circle is probably one, two or three people They know you better than anyone else if you have people in this circle. Your relationships go deep, you're transparent, you're vulnerable with them. They've seen you at your worst and yet they stick with you. You've probably been through some hard times together and come through stronger on the other side of that. How do you get friends like that? How do you get that kind of closeness in relationship? Well, it starts in the public circle and then it moves from inviting people into the social circle and then into the personal circle. And finally, once that progression has taken place and trust has built up and you have seen that they're a loyal friend and someone that you connect with well, you can start to get vulnerable and transparent and go even deeper into the transparent circle. And you have just a couple of people who you can really go deep with. If one of the distinctives about the personal circle was shared experiences, one of the distinctives about the transparent circle is deep conversations. See, there's a progression to how we talk with people in these different circles and in our relationships. The most basic level of conversation revolves around the things we can see. The weather, the clothes, the sports team that you support, small talk kind of stuff. The next level of conversation has to do with basic personal information. Wife, husband, kids, hobbies, things that interest you, where you live, that kind of stuff goes one level deeper. That Things we can see that often happens in the public circle. The basic personal information often often happens in the uh, social circle. But one level deeper and we get to dreams and desires. What do you want to do in five years, ten years? What do you hope your future looks like? What do you want for your life? What do you think God wants for you? What are your hopes for your kids? What are you looking forward to the most in the next couple of years? And this stuff happens a lot in the personal circle with those five to 15 people that you get even closer with, but there's one more level of depth, and that is regrets, losses, and pain. 
Our deepest conversations that form the most trust and the most vulnerability and the most bonding are conversations about regrets, losses, and pain. If you could go back in time, what's the one thing you would change that you've done? Or what's the one thing you would change that was done to you? Or what's the thing that hurts you the most? Or what makes you the most angry? What frustrates you? What causes you pain? These are the things that we talk about in the transparent circle. And that's not to say we can't have some of those conversations in other circles too. But one of the interesting things about the circles and the levels of conversation is that sometimes we can, we can reveal too much in the public circle that's really meant for the transparent circle. We call that being socially awkward. When you take something that belongs in one circle and you put it in another circle. And another problem that can happen is when we expect something from a larger circle that we really should be getting in a smaller circle. And so we're in the public circle and we're going, why can't I find any friends here? And we have to realize there is a progression to this from public to social to personal to transparent. If you want deeper relationships, you have to be willing to open up and be vulnerable about not only your dreams and your desires, but your hurts and your regrets, your pains, your losses. That is the key to ultimately going deep in relationships and truly having the level of trust and care for each other. That, when we know those things, that's when we can really completely do what the Bible says we're supposed to do for each other in deep relationships, because you can't correct each other if you don't know what's going on in their life. You can't bear each other's burdens if you don't know what's happening at that deep level. You can't walk through life together and encourage each other to do, be more loving and do more good if you have no idea what's going on with them. But you can't do this for everybody. And not everybody can do this for you. And that's why we need these relationship circles, this process that Jesus went through, the same process that we can go through as we get deeper relationships that are more transparent the closer we get to the middle. Now, there's a few words of caution I need to give you before we close today. The first one is that not everyone can go this deep with you, either because their relational connectors are full or because it's just not a match. It's just not a fit and it's not gonna work. And so sometimes you just have to be willing to say, they're gonna stay in my social circle and that's okay. I'm not gonna be bothered by the fact that we can't get to a deeper level here because you have a great spot in my social circle. It's not all or nothing here. I still like you, I'll still hang out with you when we can, but I get that we can't get closer than this, and that's just okay. We have to be okay with that. Number two, some people in your inner circles will have other people in their inner circles that aren't in your inner circle. Did you catch that? You have an inner circle, and there are people in that circle that have other people in their inner circles that aren't in your inner circles, and it's really, really easy to get jealous of those people. Why do they get to spend so much time with them? Why are they taking them away from me? And you have to understand it is a perfectly normal and healthy thing for you to have your inner circle and for them to have their inner circle. And some of that will overlap like a Venn diagram and some of that will not. And that's okay. We all have our own circles and they look a little different. And the third thing and final thing I wanna share with you is that you have to reserve the deepest, closest circle for God. The divine circle is right in the middle. Jesus prioritized this above all others, getting away from every other circle so that he could spend time with God. Now, sometimes we put a person in this circle. We put a person in this middle circle and we become dependent on them. We rely on them too much. We start to idolize them. We start to practically worship them. And we replace God in this middle circle with a person. And I tell you, that is what causes all the other circles to start to crumble. 
God has to be at the center of this if you want healthy relationships in every other circle. And when you put God at the center, and when you follow this process from public to social to personal to transparent, but keep God at the center where he is the closest, most trusting, most intimate, most deep relationship you have, and you follow the progression of having shared experiences together and having deeper conversations with each other, you will find those deeper relationships will form for you. And you will have some incredible people to walk through life together, through the highs and the lows, to stick together with each other if we just follow the model that Jesus lived out for us. Let me pray for you. God, we're so thankful for how you have given us examples to follow that in some cases aren't aren't just spelled out, they're lived out. And so there's no verse that we can point to in the Bible that says, hey, by the way, Jesus had these levels of relationship and you should too. You just lived it. You gave us an example, but then you said, do as I do. Follow me, be like me. And so Lord, help us to do that. In our relationships, help us to identify those people who can be in our social circle and those people who can be in our personal circle, and those trusted few who can be in our transparent circle. And help us, Lord, to take the next step this week, this month, to go deeper in these relationships, whether it's in our marriage, getting deeper in our conversations with our spouse, or with our kids, or with our friends, or our classmates, or people at church, or wherever it is, Lord. Help us to follow your example, to forge these deeper relationships where we can do for each other the things you designed us for. And in your name we pray, amen.